0: Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 262. We've been posting about this episode for the last few days over on social media and it seems like everyone is very keen to hear this episode. This episode is with Martin Boucher. Martin is the high performance consultant at Type 3.2 Performance and co-founder of Hit Science Also recently had jobs with Olympic Leon and also PSG. So a practitioner with an incredible level of experience and knowledge. We dived into some recent changes, program progressions that he's made. We also spoke about the future athlete and the game, how he perceives that to be. We spoke about keeping a squad fit. And then we also took a few listener questions which covered a few different topics but one of the topics we did include was around zone 2 work for players and Martin was talking about his experience working with players like Kylian Mbappe and whether zone 2 work or 10k's or doing this sort of long duration work actually has any benefit for those type of players and gives a great perspective on that as well. So wait to hear the answers of those questions, plus a few more towards the end of the podcast with Martin. Just on that as well, thank you to everybody that sent the questions in. We didn't quite get through them all, but we got through a large majority of them. We will do that a little bit more over on Instagram in particular with guests that we've got coming up that I know that you'll want to ask questions to. So just keep an eye out for those. And if you do have any questions, I'll do my best to put them to the guest. I also mentioned over on social media that we are going to be releasing two podcast episodes this week. So we've got this one going out today, which is on Wednesday. We're also going to be releasing an episode between myself and Jordan Tyra. We're going to be reflecting on our trip to the Training Ground Guru Conference. So our takeaways from that conference and some of the discussions that went down, some of the people we enjoyed hearing speak about the most and also some of the topics covered as well. So that'll be going out on Friday. It'll go out on obviously all the normal platforms. So just keep an eye out for that. So two episodes, a little little bonus for you this week. So um, yeah, two episodes of the podcast this week and then we'll be back to a single episode next week as well. And I also tease in that episode, we are going to come up with a a title of those episodes between Jordan and I, because we are going to be doing a few of those coming up a little bit more relaxed, tackling some topics that are going on, some industry trends. Um, So we will be asking for your opinion on a bit of a name, a bit of a subtitle for the podcast as well. So we'll be posting that over on socials and LinkedIn. So just keep an eye out. And if you've got any ideas, please let us know. We are now two weeks away, very excited. Two weeks away from our next networking event. That is going to be at Football Strength, Conditioning and Rehabilitation at Battersea. That's on Wednesday, the 8th of November, 6 till 9pm. We've got an incredible lineup of speakers, two brilliant practitioners. Sam Portland, who's the founder of Speed by Sportland, is going to be presenting alongside Sam Peeps, who's a strength conditioning coach. So brilliant practitioners, both that have been on the podcast before. But I'm really keen to see these guys present and some of the things they're going to be coming up with. They're going to be touching on, I think Sam Portland's going to be covering more to do with speed development. And Sam Peeps is going to give some of his ideas around programming isometrics for players as well. So loads to learn at that event. Tickets are still available. So go to footballfitfed.com. Click the shop tab. And you'll be able to grab your tickets there. And just keep an eye out as well. If you are coming with a colleague, a friend, a family member, somebody else, there is an option of buying two tickets at a time and you get a slightly more discount on that as well. So that is at the same point on the website. So hopefully we will see you there. Just want to finish this intro by saying a massive thank you to our sponsors, The Good Prep. The Good Prep is a meal prep delivery service that provides fresh, ready-to-eat chef-cooked meals straight to your door. They offer meal plans tailored to your personal goals, current activity level and schedule. The Good Prep works closely with elite level athletes and corporates to deliver meal solutions that meet the ever-changing demands of performance and training. Their client includes Brighton Hove Albion, the PGMOL, Commonwealth Teams, Gymshark and many more. Their meals are full of all the nutrients you need to keep you in peak performance so you can achieve every goal you set Plus you can reclaim your time, eat better, move more and reduce food waste too. Their meal plans are designed to guide you through your journey to a healthier you. Take the guesswork out of healthy eating and discover the power of nutrition at thegoodprep.com and make sure you use the code FFF15 for 15% off your first order. Also a massive thank you to Hydro. Have you ever tried blood flow restriction training? For pro sport teams and athletes, Hytro is the only performance BFR brand to create pressure-validated BFR wearables that are practical, safe and scalable, allowing you to enhance recovery and maximise athletic potential like never before. Whether in the change room post-game, during away game travel, in the hotel or at home, Hytro has created a simple and effective tool that allows BFR to be delivered to athletes and squads simultaneously and safely. Check them out at Hytro.com or email sales at Hytro.com to find out how Hytro BFR can give your squad a competitive edge. And also a massive thank you to Rezl doing some brilliant work in the world of VR. Um, they've had some feedback recently posting some testimonials from players like Marcus Rashford um, saying about how Rezl was key in his shoulder injury rehab. So go and check them out at Rezl over on social media and let's get into episode 262 with Martin Boucher. Rezl is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezl Sports & Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezl, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. Harder, stronger, smarter. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. I am delighted to welcome onto the podcast today, Martin Boucher. Martin, how are we doing? Very good, very good.
1: Thank you, Ben, for the invitation. And uh, yeah, just excited to be here with you guys to, to have a chat. So yeah, thanks for that.
0: I'm sure people, like they've done probably every single time they've heard you speak, they're going to take a hell of a lot from this today. But we always start in the same place, Martin, and that's you, your career, your career what you've been up to, if people have been living under the rock and they don't know who you are, can you give them a little bit of background on yourself?
1: Yeah, that's always the, the worst part of the discussion, you know, when you start talking about yourself. <laughs> and um, uh, Yeah, so I've been now probably 20 years trying to merge um, both sides of the, the, the research, the science and, and the field. And uh, I've been conditioning coach myself, a player myself, first conditioning handball, then moved to football, and I would say if I really want to, to highlight, like the Clary highlight, as we can say, you know, it's been yeah, Aspire uh, a while ago now, um, really starting to merge the science and the practice. After Aspire, PSG, six years, um, then I've done two years um, at the LOSC, Lille, it's another French French team at the same time I'm working with, uh, with Kitman Lab. That's how I got my hands into the the machine learning kind of the things. I still have no clue about how to run a model, but I know how a model works. And the great guys there were really, really good to to, to help me to understand what this this level of analysis can bring as well to what we do. So that was kind of a joint role between both, and it was amazing. And I started in June uh, um, and moved the family and so on to get back into a really full time in a big club, another big club in France. Which is uh, Olympic the Olympic de Lyon, uh, but that didn't really worked out that long, and now for for two weeks um, I'm exit I have exited the club already, and I'm now back into my house in Marbella, and building the new the new model where I'd like to probably get back into something I own a bit more, um, and maybe we're gonna discuss. I don't know if we're gonna discuss more about that, you know. But if you work in a full full-time in a club uh especially if there are big clubs like this it's difficult to really have a proper performance department whatever is good or not whatever you build things over the time there's always of course a training coach and there's always someone that comes with the coach and fair enough you know a coach wants someone of course that he trusts and so on but for someone like like us you know it has to it's always a challenge to integrate the coaching staff someone that has some sort of vision we have our vision and so on and it's always been a challenge I even that was the start of writing the e-goals book about uh, uh about that you know, accepting the the change and so on and anyway just to finish the first part about me so now that i definitely need to get back to something i, I own a bit more so the research has always been a, a way to really do more or less what i wanted um on the performance side if you work for, with a four club you work for a coach you work for players uh which is great but it's there's often you need to compromise often as well what you do and right now where i am i'm 45 i just want to compromise a bit less so i'm still working on what i really want to do but it would be something yeah more more personal probably consulting ish something but not just uh flipping a coin to hey guys what but like offering something clean where I'm sure I can help and have an impact for
0: practitioners something like that I think you answered my question because I was going to say that approach that you've taken and you just said there about the compromise becoming less from your side as you pick up more experience that's of has that changed then throughout your career did you feel like you' were able to compromise more beforehand and as you've got more experience in that role and You've got your philosophy, your approach. Is that the reason because it's trial and tested? Yes, and again,
1: back to why I wrote this uh, this book on ego, and I reach out to so many people because that's always been my problem. Uh, and again, and you know, you see from the outside, the French guys a bit opinionated, and uh, yeah, we look at people from uh, from the above, and I know that's what how we are, and that's why I don't want to be perceived like that. But I have, and I'm like that, you know, um. I'm confident in what I'm, I'm doing, but it's because it's always been, you know, evidence uh, backed backed up. You know, like the research. And, okay, I'm not what I'm suggesting is just like I'm not again just waking up in the morning and say oh, let's do a submaximal test. No, now we've done we've done 25 studies. Um, those guys in in us with uh, the they've, they've done a meta analysis. You know, so there is some rationale behind why we're doing this. We show it works. I just it's an example among among 25 others. You know, so. It's awkward if it's my philosophy that the things I believe in. But in addition to my experience, it's also backed up by now a lot of data and research. And when someone comes in and says, I don't like what you do, or this is what you do is hopeless, it's very difficult to take. So, this to compromise yourself when you have this amount of research and experience and many users that actually say, oh, I like it, is difficult. So, this is where I said, I am. Is it me the, the problem to, to not don't, don't, not to accept when people crit, not not even critic, they just disregard what you've done for so long, and when you have like yeah, you, you people know me, you know, like I don't want to say I'm an authority, but I have some sort of authority through the work I've done. So it's difficult again for to to accept to put yourself at the service of someone that doesn't believe in your in your proper work that is. Perceived as a reference for many others, you know? So this is what happens in those big institutions. Coach comes and go, another come, another go. And of course, everyone has his own source, whether it is the secret or not. And of course, they want to do what they believe in. And I have no problem with that. I understand that. But I'm not sure that I'm the right person then to be the guy who just changed just to support the coaching staff because i believe too much in what i've been doing for the reason i just explained so it is it is difficult and you know do not you cannot imagine the number of discussion i had with peers about how how far you can accept to to go away from your own vision of philosophy and again, you know, there's different levels of this level of compromise. Of, of compromise, uh, Whether it is, okay, we've been doing this test for, for 10 years at the club, and now the new guys come and he wants to do another test. That's, again, an example. Um, okay, so you're going to lose 10 years of historic data just because you like better another test. Come on, just be a bit pragmatic. Just be a bit, you know, and it's a, an aerobic test versus an, an, another. It's a strength test versus another. Who cares? At the end, you're measuring an overall quality so we don't really it doesn't matter if you if you jump with uh, the leg on one side or the other it doesn't matter if it's 10 or or eight minutes you know but that's the global picture but again people coming in because they have again the preference they use and they want to be comfortable because they're on the pressure you know so they, they want to to get back to things they know and understand so again i understand so at which level you accept this compromise or not so maybe say okay Eight or ten minutes doesn't matter. Let's keep let us change to help those guys, and we move on. But then it's more than eight or ten minutes. It's doing something completely different, or it's having another approach. So then it becomes more than just a small adaptation or a small, you know, it becomes a vision. So then it starts to be harder to 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 swallow sometimes. And again, back to my book, you know, that's chapter nine where you still try to find, let's say the good in the change because you always going to learn something from changing what you do. And there's a lot of, of those contributors who are like, yeah, but accept it again, turn the volume down of your ego, just accept that you're going to do something else. You might learn something from that. And that's always, I think that's a great, great advice. You know, I'm always try to do that. Say, okay, I would never do that like that, but let's say am I might, am I might actually learn something that I didn't know or if it doesn't work, that might just come forth what you were thinking. So at this level, it's still a learning, and you still try to find the benefit of that. But then, and that's my chapter 10, where it just goes too far. And you say, come on. Again, And that's why how I started the the, the discussion today. He said, I'm 45. Oof, there are things, you know, I just... it's not saying I, I'm, I know everything and I'm better than anyone, but just I don't want, again, to, to... And chapter 10, you leave. You leave because it's just not... It's not worth... The, the, the fight, the, the, the sleepless night and so on, say, okay, I have better to do and no problem. And, you know, so unfortunately or not, I'm too much a chapter 10 guy. And that's not the first time it happens to me. And it happened again, you know, recently. So, but fair enough. I mean, I know that's that's probably a weakness. if yeah A weakness if you want to keep jobs. Uh, it's a strength if you really believe in what you do, you know. But then there's a lot of carryover effect of those decisions. If I talk about myself again, move the family for two for two months and a
0: half. Uh it's a pain. It's such a pain, you know. There's a hell of a lot of factors that go into that, isn't there? Like you're right. All the personal stuff comes into it as well. I think I think that those last couple of minutes are going to be so beneficial for a lot of coaches, because I think a lot of coaches will be fighting those same battles, which is obviously why the book has come about, because you want to get that work out there. But if you could give a little bit of advice to people in that scenario where they feel like they, okay, I've compromised from my side, I'm getting nothing back from the other side. What do I do? Like, okay, yes, we can, we can get to the point of quitting. But what would your advice be to a coach stuck in that situation right now?
1: Yeah, but I think yeah, it's a bit like what we're talking about. It's about, it's I think life overall. Life is always about. Uh, finding the best uh, ratio the, the cost benefits you know everything we do whether it's yeah it's on, on the personal side you it's a cost benefits it's a maybe not only cost but cost effort whether it's financial whether it's emotional there's everything we do has kind of a cost and you always have this return on investment ish you know and this is how i approach everything to be honest uh, whether it's uh, the minimum effective dose when you talk about training whether it is your investment um, yeah i think it's that's it's about everything so again at some stage if it costs you to change things but you are still sure that you can learn from that change that's fine because you get a benefit from the pain see what i mean but when the benefit is not enough in return yeah it's a it's that's really the, the angle i would take and that would really depend on each situation, you know. But I think it's the mindset that is important. What I've been not good at, probably at the start, is probably dismissing too soon sometimes the opinions of others. Again, because I believe that I knew enough, or you know, like the, or you can you know talk about this learning uh, Kruger effect curve. Like you know, for sure, with uh, with all my studies and everything, I was I was on the peak uh, at some stage, you know. So I've been probably not probably I've been sometimes yeah too too quickly dismissive of other options, and it's only when I learned that again by observing the chain that you can learn from it I said okay uh, so I that that's the example of you get a return on 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 accepting the struggle uh but just sometimes the struggle doesn't bring you anything so then yeah, so advice. Accept the struggle, and again, we we, we know that it it's a struggle that you that everyone evolves. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Blah blah blah. That's 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 true. It's so true. You know, um, there's so many people that inspired me to to do research just because I wanted to prove them wrong. You know, so yeah, that makes you laugh, but but that's true. So I was just so pissed that I said, okay, I'm gonna look at the data as a way as I said, to prove them wrong, but in the end, everyone get benefits from that. I benefit from that because it just, again, confirmed that I was right. So again, pushing my my ego volume up. But in addition, those papers are published now. So it's accessible for you guys. And again, I'm helping the community. That's always been what I wanted to do anyway. So I thank those guys with whom I've got arguments, because in the end, we all won from that. Kind of, you know. So in this case, again, there's a return on investment.
0: I think anyone that achieves anything like that has got something underlying that motivates them, though, hasn't it? Whether that is proving people wrong or something, there's deep lying. So I, I, I last but I 100% agree with it. Yep. But uh, Martin, you mentioned before as well about when you were going through that that struggle, um, of the ego war, whatever it was at the club, you reached out to peers and they gave feedback on it. And I know you sort of mentioned before about like eight to 10 minutes having that um, that leeway in a session or whatever it was. But what was the, you obviously you don't have to name names, but what was some of the other feedback you got from them at that time?
1: It's really about being able to unzoom from the situation and say, hey, come on, you're just getting into a, a shit, uh, in a fight with your colleagues about two minutes. Is it really worth it? Just think about the global picture come on there's m- more important things ab- about the program and because again you know probably that's my my willingness to do things that always fit into a square uh because of the research side and the way i'm you know everyone has a different personality types and i'm someone that i like things when they that they fit in the box um so if we say eight minutes it has to be eight or ten you know and thankfully, again, you know the fact that you you work with more people, and that's why that's why I'm saying in in the Hit Science podcast, every time we interview someone, you know, we are always talking about the context that matters so much more than the content. You know, that's that's the angle of the podcast. And of course, you know, so in the end, who cares whether it's eight or ten? It could be twelve or six, as long as you start to do it. You know, so through again, my experiences with a lot of different coaches, practitioners, players, are really understood the, the necessity to understand that things could be done differently, that the way you think they should be. And having this flexibility, having this adaptability, understanding this. So this is... Oh, this is... Uh, I would do a PhD on that now, almost, you know. This ability to, to adapt and it's okay. It's okay. But then, of course, you have to find a, a limit as well, not to let go of anything. Of course, you know. But... It's more, way more about an objective. And that's also... And it's nice because I'm kind of closing the loop with the, the approach of, of heat science and what we've done with Paul Lawson about conditioning overall. You know, we don't discuss about content like let's do a 15-15 or a one minute, one minute. But we start with the objective. So what are you going to do? You're going to trigger the aerobic and the anaerobic and the muscular system? Or what, what are your physiological objectives? And that you go back into... Okay so physiology if you want lactate you need an effort that is that intensity longer if you want so you start with the objective and kind of paddle back to find the content that's actually going to feed this objective I mean life is the same in the end what do you want to do what do you want to achieve with this player he needs a metabolic top up he needs some strength work okay first I agree on that and then without the tool with the tool at your disposal with the context with understanding what he wants, what he likes, what doesn't like the material you have, the, the space you have, then you build the session. So again, you start with the context and the objective, and then you find the content. And in, uh, and I'm still working with a lot of people who think content first. Yeah. So let's do a Bulgarian squat and then some high intensity running. This, this, this. And I hold on, uh, why a Bulgarian and not a split and not uh, a lounge? You know why? Ah, because, but, yeah, but so, well, you got my point, you know, so um, um, I don't even know how where we started with this, this, this question, but distance, take some distance, uh, distance from the detail. If I can summarize that like
0: that, yeah. Yeah, no, brilliant. I think it, it takes us nicely into, because I wanted to start on a topic that I've covered quite a bit, both on the podcast and also recently at the um, Training Ground Guru conference in one of the discussions we had about. The intensity of the game, how the game has progressed over the last few years and also the future of the game as well. So I wanted to get your perspective on this, on how your and obviously evidence based from what you spoke about, which is what you've talked about already. How do you see that right now? Is there anything, any key changes that you've made to your approach? And is there anything also looking forward, getting the crystal ball out, looking at the five, ten years time? That maybe going to really influence and change what we do.
1: Yes, uh, good question. I mean, it's a good question. I would say, but we, it's a question that comes often, and maybe just uh, as a, again another way to 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 unzoom a little bit before we really dive into that. I would say, okay, the game is getting more intense. There is more running. Um, I guess we watch games, so we see that. But there is also this amount of information, uh, the, those those tracking data, you know, the running data that goes that that everyone looks at, and I think this is maybe not giving us, or how do you say that? This, this is not making us a favor. All this information because there are more sprint, there are more distance in these kind of things, and even so, I know and talk with uh, Matt Taberner and um, and uh, can't remember who was on on the same. It was um tom allen i think that was the first author you know and they they kind of there was this bound study and then now they, they said okay that's now for the last uh, 10 years uh the the speed demands keep increasing but there was this change in technology so you have to make sure that the actually the trend is actually a real trend it's not just technology based but even so we don't even know um Okay, because they could be from uh, from Prozone to Trackab and so on. But even inside the same technology, they tend to uh, to improve their their firmware. They update their system, and we that we, we paid the price many times with GPSs when they change firmware. Then suddenly you have more speed, more 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 distance into speed, just because the technology becomes more precise. You know, so even the, despite the the good work that those guys have done, I still have my doubts if the trend is is that real. It could not be only technology-related. Well, first thing, just a way to unzoom that might not be as important as we think. And even though it's right, again, I would just like that, let's say, talk for myself, but I had another talk with uh, Raymond Verheggian the other day, and uh, we talked about that with my colleagues in Lyon the whole summer, because, yeah, not, not entering into the details with, uh, with Lyon now, but there's running and running, you know, we know. Uh, there's running effic- with efficiency and running after the ball and running nowhere and and again if you take even like the, all the stuff that Raymond has written like 20 years ago, 15 years ago he was already against uh, the Scandinavian and uh, Magnimo and those guys who again did a great job because it was the start of everything but you know, when you read the first seminal papers from uh, for Magnimo from uh, for Banks-Burn, those guys it was a bit, I mean if I was to do what they've done at that time, I would have done it the same because we didn't know enough. You know, the first time you got those data. But now, to be honest and with all due respect, and I said I would have done the same mistake. They will have the the all the analysis we've done are too naive. You know, so you run more, it's it's good, you run less, it's bad. And we know we know the contextual and all uh, there's a lot of thankfully now some work coming out about the con again, the context affects the running, you know, the 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 game plan, the position, the system, and so on. So the question is, I'd like to answer your question about, okay, the, the game needs to be more intense. Fair enough, because now coaches are using better pressing, counter-pressing, there are some tactical elements that maybe, maybe require players to be fitter, but maybe, we don't even know. But all the running part, I mean, you know, I don't want to answer the question based on match data. Hmm. Because I believe first, adopt on the match data, and then i doubt in the fact that actually reflect anything because they're not kpis mm. running is not a kpi kpi might be well no, you have the the, the best of of course is uh, you have the, those expected goals or but then you have uh, i don't know uh, crosses in the boxes or whatever you know you'll find your own kpis about the game about the match but running per se who cares yeah who cares and as a community sports scientist we're still too much into benchmarking and every second podcast I listen I say yeah we we have the under 19 we want to benchmark the first team so we know what is a what is the top uh top top uh, top level uh game dimension in terms of running most of the time it's less than the under 19 you know so it's so more important just to to play well the connection and i guess every one of us we worked with unfit and slow players and they were probably not always struggling in the game because they were just more clever and they, were, they knew where to position themselves and so on. So, of course, we need to be fit. Of course, there might be some code that require that that they they want players to do more. But this is the way. The to me the good way to approach the question, not the the match data from the cameras and and so on. You know. So once this has been said, and sorry for the for the the, the deviation into that um then it's back to training back to training and how do you prepare players to play this game model that might be more demanding and i think this is where a lot of people are doing great job when i look at those peak match demands you know those uh to make sure that at least you are able to match those peak or even to overload those peak match demand during training whether it is on the on on small spaces whether it's on bigger space and this is where sometimes bigger space you have to have you have to add a little bit of running because just stuff with the ball sometimes is difficult to overload every part of the game. If you look at meters or axels, well mechanical mechanical work per minute, these kind of things. Um but yes yeah, so you have to understand and for talking about that in in rugby they're doing that way better than us in football. You know like the, the way they analyze the game to prepare the training it's almost close to effect you know we're going to play this team we know this team is pressing more so we're going to have 5 meter per minute more over those 3 or 4 minute period of time so let's work on that during training you know so they're very very well organized to 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 match and to organize training based on match demands you know so this is the way or probably the direction we should go so that at least during training we prepare we play prepare player accordingly
0: It's always nice at the end of the week to do a little bit of a reflection on where some of our new community members have come from. And these last few weeks, it's been incredible to see the stretch um, in terms of how far these community members are coming from. We've had members sign up from Wellington Phoenix, Partick Thistle, The Welsh FA, Burton Albion, Sporting Lisbon, Fleetwood Town, Swindon Town, and many others as well. So if you're not already a member, Go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign yourself up there, and it'll give you a free 30-day trial. You can get access to all the content that's on there. Check out some of the presentations and webinars that are on there. We've recently dropped a, a webinar on low considerations for academy footballers by Premier League Academy physio Aaron Hull. Aaron's also a member of the community. And we've got a webinar that's gone out this week as well from another community member, Walter Grandes. Um, so you can go and check those out on the community, plus loads more. Once you become a full member of the community, you also get access to our members' WhatsApp group, where there's brilliant discussions going down all the time and some of the chats that go down in there. Um, so come and join us, footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and sign yourself up there to a free 30-day trial. Here's part two of the podcast with Martin bushite Martin, do you think our focus and maybe an over-focus like you've mentioned there on like distance covered comes from the fact that us as practitioners, we know we can influence that. That's something that we've got right, this is what we're aiming for. Whether that's contextual in terms of what we actually should be working on or not, that's that's a different discussion, but do you feel like that's why we lean towards that?
1: We lean towards that because we measure it. and yeah. It's handy, it's easy, but I'm not even sure we can influence that because you could give—I uh, took the example of a, of an EPO shot. You know, the player gets two kilometers more of maximal speed. I don't think, oh, and we we showed that 15 years ago with Alberto Mendez in Qatar, that you can have massive improvement in physical capacities. You don't run more because you run based on the demands. Yeah, you know, for sure the relative load decreases. So there's always a benefit to be fitter. So don't get me wrong. Eh? There's yeah, always yeah. there's Always the benefit to be fitter but you don't always see that so this is why we don't care about how much they run as long as they do well what they're supposed to do on the on uh, for the game plan and you have teams they're highly successful running very little just because they're always at the right place at the right moment and they're good teams they need to run to be successful because they're a little bit less well organized so they compensate for the running so it's just about what you do, how you do, the the weaknesses you have, fitness helps to compensate. Perfect, but not obligatory. So it's not a it's not a linear, it's not a um, and one one side fit all. And thankfully, this is I know football is one of the most complex sports in the world for this reason. You know, so you can't say we're winning because we run or we're losing because we don't run. Come on, this is a, that's for the media in the seventies. You know, we should do better than that. And it's it's our responsibility for our jobs. At least to keep educating the people around
0: us. I think there's been more than enough examples of teams that have been successful that have fell into that as well, isn't there? I think the Barcelona team from a few years ago was probably one of the most famous ones where the running distance wasn't as high.
1: No, and you have the the opposite. You have teams super successful with high outputs. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So it works, but again, it's a case-by-case
0: study. Study, uh, Case, yeah. So looking forward, yes, sorry. Yeah. we've got to predict now, Martin. We've got to be five, ten years in the future and we've got to go right. how how does does anything change? what What changes in terms of our approach, you think? I think overall, where I
1: see people are getting better and better, and that's where where I'm I've been putting a lot of my energy as well, is to really get closer to the individual. So that players are really looked after in a way they should be at the yeah at the individual level, and again in the individual approach, you can just have a billions of of entry into saying what when you're building this individual approach of it, you know what do you start with, you know, whether it's just the game minutes from last match, whether it is uh is preseason screening, both on the performance or injury risk profile whether it is his age or, you know, there's a lot of entry. But every player at some stage would need to get something just for him, something something personal. Again, based on these different entries I said. But now if you put all those four or five entries on the top of each other, um, it can be a lot of work. It can be a lot of work. And I guess on one side, it's not that complex, but it's complex enough for people to, 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 to leave it a little bit for for later or yeah we'll see that uh we have pre-season we're too busy so pre-season we have a kind of a group approach then season starts okay we have individual plans but um, i'm still to see that happening on a large scale uh on a on a, on a season scale as well you know Um, and it, it works when you really have a blend of, uh, of practices from the multidisciplinary team, because there are some individual inputs that would come from the physios, some other individual inputs will come maybe from nutritionists, the physical conditioning coach, the coach. You know, you can add even some technical development at some stage as, as well. You know, so um, so this is where we need to go. This is, I believe, we are on, on we are on the on the on the right track for that. Um, but for sure, there's still some some room for improvement because it, it just involves so many entries as as inputs to make the decision on what to implement that it's always difficult to, to prioritize them and then you have to implement them yeah so but yeah i'm i'm really passionate about about that that topic and um yeah yeah
0: do you think then that involves more practitioners more people more manpower or is that going to be more um, technology led? You think the the obviously the use of AI and all these things that I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, me neither. No, I think it's really a matter of of vision
1: and organization. You know, today is it's day minus three. Okay, the the team session is going to be that that that. Okay, now let's go through every single player and based on as you said all those needs and all this profiling and so on. Is it the right moment to add something for this guy whether it is in a gym whether it's treatment whether it's uh more technical work and that's it so mm-hmm. i mean i mean that's it but again it's it's more complex than than it seems uh so it's it's really a matter of yeah of vision and organization and then you have this you have your your puzzle the day and okay maybe for those six guys they have um, weaknesses on their on, on their armstrings and because it's minus three, and tomorrow is going to be easy, maybe we can do a bit more than the group to 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 strengthen the, this posterior chain. Those two guys, uh, they have, a, they need to wait to lose a bit of weight. So if for two, those two guys, we can do a bit of bike after, and for those three guys, um, they're going to stay on the pitch for for twenty minutes with uh, one of the assistants to do this special uh, finishing work. And then for those old guys, maybe they do, you know, so again, simple, as always, it's easier to to say that to do it. But that's a little bit the, the approach. And every day there is this opportunity to do something individual. But the day, the context will dictate the what. And the how will be related to the number of staff you have and the space you have. And how you can organize that? Is it before, after training, during, if you ask them to come back in the afternoon or everything is
0: possible? But then I suppose we add another layer to that and it loops back around to what we were speaking about before, isn't it? Because that then ties into the importance of the cohesive nature of a a multidisciplinary team, doesn't it? Because if you're all sat around the table in agreement or all with the, the same sort of intentions with that player, that's fine. But if there are then disagreements or someone wants them more time than the other person wants them, that's when it becomes tougher, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Of course. But believe me, having having lived and experienced uh, almost the two extremes of a completely dysfunctioning multidisciplinary team and another that was working really, really well together with complementary skills and discussion and willingness to improve, um yeah of course yeah I mean you get you' with me you know Yeah, but when you are in the, the the second aspect where things work you can't believe how the level of enjoyment on a daily basis when you're working together and every 10 12 people having the same vision because once you get this this you, you agree on the approach on the way that you have to find for those 25 players what is their special stuff of the day for each, you know, then doesn't really matter almost again, the content, as long as they do it, as they do something. Because again, it's I'm back to what I said before, you know, like the objective, the objective, find something that is good, that is going to, to help and benefit this player on, on that day. And that's the first level of fulf- fulfillment. Then content, okay, again, is it a bridge or is it a, again, I don't want to be seen like, I don't care anything about the details, I had another, when I had um, Lorena Torres in, in our podcast on his science, we are discussing that. And she said, no, no, I'm about the details. Because the details matter when we are in elite sports. And yes, she's completely right. So when I said, who cares about the detail? I think I, th- I put back into what Lorena said. No, the details are important. But it's a detail once, again, you digested the con- the, the context, you know. Yeah. So the detail will be now you've selected this exercise. So now it becomes the detail because if you have only uh, five reps, make sure you have the right weight; otherwise, you're wasting your time. So then you're back into the detail at that point. So this is a bit the discussion, but back to the multidisciplinary team and so on. Um, of course, of course, if you don't have an, align- an alignment in the vision between practitioners, uh, that's why I said, what's the point to 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 be here? You know, what's the point to be here? Um, and that's another. Big, big topic is how do you get there you know how do you get those i said 12 because that's probably the average number of practitioners in, in big teams you know between physio conditioning sports science nutrition is like 12-ish could be 8 or or 14. Um, yes to get to that it's it's very difficult again because you have those we always don't lead, don't need like that the guy's been at the club for 30 years back in the day there were two The guy was doing everything, now he's just doing a bit of what he was doing, so he has opinion on everything, Uh, even though he's a nice guy and so on. But but those guys, it's impossible they would actually merge into the the new approach of doing the things, especially for the fact that, well, first, we know it's very difficult to change people, but also they have been successful without a bunch of their colleagues doing many things. So why would they bother changing what they've been doing Especially if they've been successful before. And you, you have nothing to say. They're just right. They're just right, on the sense. So you would like them to be a bit more open-minded and so on. But no. So, and I've seen a bit everything in different clubs. You know, you work at least with the other part of the group who's willing to, to engage and improve and so on. In some clubs, you have those historical physio conditioning coach They ended up being sacked. Then you say the guy is 55 you sack him uh, he, he gave his life he he, he didn't even look his, look after his kids for for 30 years because he was working for the club and you sack him on the personal side it's not nice either you know so I don't think there is a there's a right answer to that um, Oh yes yeah, so these are the questions I've been through billions of times with colleagues because this is complex because this is complex. Because if we don't work together, it's a shit show. If we work together, it's
0: it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, 100%. I think it's really important to cover that as well. Martin, we put out you were coming on the podcast and I said, has anyone got any questions? And we've been sent a few questions in. So I thought I'd use this time to tackle a few of these now. Um, One of the questions was advice for young practitioners, but I feel like we might have covered that a little bit. We can maybe add to it in a little bit, but I, I think we might have covered it. The first one I was going to start with, which I had some people message off the back of this as well, should players train long, slow distance running, e.g. 10 kilometers, or otherwise known as zone two? Yeah, good question. It's a
1: topic that always comes back, and I would say, I will not say they should or not. I will give you my opinion, of course, you know. Uh, And again, it's, it's nice, because through my experience with different staffs, I've seen or we've we've done it at some stage and other times we've not done it. And I would say there's definitely, as always, not a direct answer. There's definitely not a one side fit all. So I would definitely not do it with every type of player, you know, especially without naming some of those famous super quick players at PSG, you know, but those guys, we we destroy them. We destroy them if we, we... and again, I bring a little bit of science and evidence into that, you know, and there is all those super cool studies from the Belgium group. What what they've shown, those uh, the Belgium, those guys from, from Belgium, about how different morphotypes based on fiber type composition tolerate uh, those types of different training contents. So we know that fast switch fibers are highly uh, poorly resisting. Uh, they have a, a poor resistance to fatigue. But they also have a poor running economy. The cost of a meter is way bigger, larger, greater for fast twitch uh, uh, athletes. So, this slow 10k run for a guy like Mbappe will actually cost him as if he was running 15, maybe. I don't know, you know. So, in addition to the why we do them, first of all, I would never do it with the typical fast explosive mostly African origin uh, black type of players because most of them they are not have the the, the genetical background to support that. They are not suited to that. So why do something that is completely counterintuitive we're back to uh, return on investment it's it's no good. Then I think the second level of question is it really helping to develop the players uh, developing what 10k, those guys are gonna run in 40, 45. You can do so much other things in 45 minutes. You can do so much things that have, again, bigger bang for your buck in 45 minutes. So that's the other way I I respond to the question. I'm not saying it's a waste of time, but if I have 40 minutes, I can do way better. I can fit more content. Knowing that you still train Sometimes an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, you do double session, you still have a lot of time where your average metabolic intensity might be close ish to those 10k you know um actually yeah if it's you talk about uh zone two it might be slower than what i said so if you were to run 10k on zone two it might be an hour or something you know it would be like yeah less than that so again yeah you can do better and there's other content that gives you this this metabolic intensity just doing drills and so on so it's definitely far from the top of the list, in my case, in the development side of the things. Now, recovery, you have a, an aerobic uh, type of player, white midfielder, likes to run, doesn't, doesn't bother running. Perfect. Send him sending to, to do those runs, he'll enjoy it. them in the forest with his uh, listening to us on the podcast, you know, and <laughs> enjoy them. Why not, you know, but more as a recovery, more as a, um, you know,
0: yeah. but at the team level, as an enhancement tool, not my thing brilliant great answer um we've got one here what fitness categories would you train if the team only trains twice a week so more of a part time program hmm. yeah excellent question um twice a so week
1: yeah so i would definitely integrate everything on the conditioning side and so on um Maybe just, yeah, but mainly you need, yeah, you need to get to the main point, which is uh, your player interaction and, and, and the game. So I would be very, very cautious of stealing time to the coach to do things that are not related to, to football for sure. So very little dissociated. And uh, yeah, I would still focus. Again, depends. You can train twice, but you might have players that are happy to do stuff on their own. Yeah, you know, so they might be able to do those runs and those intervals on their own in between. So when you are with them, you're just focusing on what's important. When you ha- you need to have them together and have them doing the running side of the things on their own, um, and I will still yeah insist on educating them on the the injury prevention prevention side of the things. So all the the the, the, the training prep, uh, the healthy muscles, if I can put a, a generic like healthy muscles. And yeah, that would be my, my, my main uh my main approach.
0: No, that's great. Next one. Top three invisible fatigue monitoring tests that he uses or used in the past. <laughs> fatigue. I don't think
1: I have anything uh, handy. Um now we try to monitor fitness, so maximal heart rate, these kind of things. Fatigue, the only thing that it's so preseason it works it works in season you it's difficult to get that on a really regular basis um depends so much on the team um i've been struggling with some teams but i've been successful in others to use jumps you know force plates and uh reactive strength index uh it really depends on the culture depends on how you hide those tests within yeah. a training session uh because again if we're talking about fatigue uh that's probably the only objective measure of neuromuscular fatigue that you could get if you manage to do it to for players to do it well because the sumax heart rate test that's not fatigue that's kind of fitness-ish you know all the wellness stuff we know it's a response an acute response to load i believe in yeah we're super sore from yesterday but i don't believe in oh yeah i have chronic fatigue um you know so um Unfortunately, we still we're still working on that, you know. Uh I started last year with uh, all the, the great help of my colleagues when I was at the LOSC in, in Lille, uh play a bit with more with the um, EMG. Uh but again it turned to be more a measure of the willingness of the player for whatever reason to activate some muscle groups when there was a Not always an injury, but there was something wrong, I would say. Not at the point that he was not able to play, you know, but there's like something, a couple of days, like he's sore. Uh, But again, that's not really fatigue. Again, we we could also have started the discussion to discuss about what kind of fatigue are we after, you know? Is it more central, chronic? Is it just a muscular fatigue? So uh, ideally, like in research, you know, you have tools for both central and peripheral. You don't target the same systems. You test differently with different... Approaches, methodology so that you know which is the the the, the fatigue you're you're um, you're facing. In our case, because we have to be feed based and pragmatic, we tend to use whatever we can and they just put them in the same in the same bucket. So, um, um, a decreased EMG response will definitely not could not be put at the same level as uh, a decrease in wellness for for two weeks. You see what I mean? Uh, because one would be really acute and and specific peripheral, while the other might be more generic. So, I could have started with this the the, the answer for sorry, but uh, no, I think unfortunately, for proper fatigue, uh, no, you know, CK is not fatigue; it's acute muscle damage. Yeah. So this is where people sometimes they miss. They they kind of put again. I said put everything together, and we have to again every time we use a monitoring tool or approach, we have to make sure we put it at the right place. What I tell you, and you hear so many times people putting things at the wrong place. You know, heart rate variability is it really fatigue? Is again, it's 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 based on what you've done the couple of last days. It's so aerobically led. Is that? I think it's a good marker of training adaptation when you train like a triathlete, because it just the the chronic load is so big. Football context, it's a mess. Never have the the, the, the right moment, the 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 context to do it properly, and we know. Football players are not under loads that are high enough to really get into where you could go with triathlon. With triathlon, we've seen that. We've seen that the proper chronic fatigue was associated with, with the strong t- trends. But those guys were training 35 hours um, a week, you know. So that's out of the, of the landscape for me, for football as well.
0: No, I think it's a great point. And the understanding, the rationale the why—that's that's all the stuff that essentially is being questioned, isn't it? With a, with any sort of addition or, um, yeah, any addition to a program.
1: Yeah, yeah, or shortcuts, shortcuts taking a variable for something that the variable doesn't really reflect, and so on. Yeah, and again, we complain as sport performance practitioner that we don't always have the credits that we're looking for with coaches. But often it's because we're not doing the things right either. So it's our fault.
0: Yeah, 100%. Martin, I'm not going to keep you all day. I really appreciate your time. We've got through some great stuff there. So I'm sure the listeners have taken plenty away from it. If people don't know, which I'm sure they do, what where can they find the podcast? What are the sort of social links that you'd send people to to keep an, an eye out for what's going on with yourself?
1: Um, so the podcast is uh heat science, the training science podcast. Sorry, training science podcast, which is li- linked to the whole heat science community we built through the book, online platform, the blog, and so on. So, training science podcast available everywhere. Um, and to follow me, um, I think, yeah, just google my name, you'll find my website. That's an easy one, even if you misspell it i think it still works the <laughs> double, double h that doesn't matter so it's cool uh and social it's m-a-r-t one b-u-c-h and i'm a bit of active on, on on many platforms in i mean i'm trying to have different content based on the platform so that uh there is uh, let's say uh, an interest to 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 follow different things like of course you know x twitter x x now is is way more really research science science science. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Insta is more is more personal and other stuff. And I think I'm gonna maybe using a bit more LinkedIn now, especially with the the focus are uh, on the stuff I'd like to do now, to be a bit more in in, in between. And especially if it's around the uh, education and uh, as I said, consulting teams these kind of things, uh, I'm gonna probably use more a bit more this this medium. Um, but yeah, happy to happy to, to interact with, with people in, again, with the constraint of uh, the, the rest of the world and the universe, but definitely, yeah.
0: Brilliant. Martin, thank you very much for your time.
1: Thank you for the for the questions, and uh, yeah, I uh, enjoyed the, the chat. Thank you. Thank you.
0: This was one of those episodes that I felt like I could have recorded for most of the day, to be honest. I feel like there's loads of topics we could have gone into. We covered a hell of a lot in the podcast, but there's so much more I could speak to Martin about. So I really appreciate him coming on, being so honest as well around his situation at the minute and his recent experiences. I'm sure there's a lot of people that will be able to relate to that. I think that in terms of directly related to that, the the initial takeaway for me was when he was talking about compromise, which I'm sure a lot of people will be able to relate to and understand what he's getting at with that, how far you compromise the cost versus benefit. So I think some of the feedback that he got from reaching out to people was probably important at that time. That also, for me, highlighted the importance of having a network of coaches that you can reach out to at a time like that, because it was obviously a time of uncertainty for Martin. Maybe he was starting to question some things that he was putting into play or even his... um, assessment of the situation and he had people to turn to that he could actually get feedback on and one of the things he mentioned in the episode that he got feedback on was zooming out which is easier to do when you're not stuck in that situation so I think that just underlines the importance of having that group of people or coaches I don't even think it necessarily needs to be coaches um, that you can reach out to and ask their opinion at times like that so a really really important topic of conversation I think that Martin started the podcast with and then some of the listening questions, which um, I hope if you asked the questions, I hope you listened to the podcast and got the answers that you were looking for. Um, the one around zone two work, 10K work, I think was was important to ask because it seems like it, a few people are speaking about that at the minute. But the biggest takeaway on that one was that to do a 10K or to do some zone two work, that time it takes to do that essentially can be used a lot better for a player, especially of a player that some of the people that he was talking about in the episode So I think that was the biggest takeaway for me. Not only is it the right thing at the right time, but are you utilizing the time you have available? Um, Is it optimal the work that you're doing in the time available? And I think that's a really good question to ask. And if it is, obviously it's something you can pursue. If it's not, maybe you need to just slightly rethink and replan. And I think that was the key takeaway from hearing Martin speak about that. So I'm sure you already follow him. If you don't, make sure you do head over onto Twitter. He's Mart1Bush, and that's M-A-R-T, and the number one, and then B-U-C-H. He's also on Instagram and on LinkedIn as well. So go and check him out on there. And he's got the Training Science Podcast as well. So go and make sure you give them, them a listen. And a big thank you again for listening. Make sure to go and check out the sponsors. Check out Rezal. Hytro and The Good Prep doing some amazing work and keeping this podcast running as well so big big thank you to them like I said at the start as well a second episode will be dropping on Friday so keep an eye out for that, slightly different just John and I talking about a few different things especially the Training Ground Guru conference, some of our takeaways um, so yeah keep an eye out for that and we will speak to you again on Friday and also next week